1: 18+. Hello and welcome to episode 26. Wow, I don't know how we've got that far <laughs> of Brighton Rock. Um, I'm Peter Marsh and I'm joined today by Russ as usual and we're rejoined today by Robin, the guest on the show. Welcome back Robin. Thank you very much chaps, how are you? Good, thank you. Yeah, you?
2: yeah good, good.
1: Yeah, just going slightly insane like everybody <laughs> else I'm sure. But sadly we're doing this episode at three o'clock on Saturday, the time when we should have been at Carrow Road watching Albion struggle to a nil-nil draw when they desperately did a win for promotion. <laughs> um, instead, we're uh, stuck at home doing a podcast talking about again no not much li- no live football at all except in Belarus, and I've not been following that. Um, but we're going to be discussing kind of the week, the events of the week, and then following up with our teams of the best and worst teams of the nineties for Albion, which could have some interesting choices judging by our. Uh, our worst ever years were in that time. Mm,
2: indeed. <laughs> um, I'm not even sure the worst ever teams are. I mean, some of the horrendous nightmares we've been reeling off in the uh, the previous episodes of this, I think they're going to be hard to beat, to be honest, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. That, uh, we have got Billingham years in this decade. True. Yeah, that is
3: True. I think I don't think anyone could pay me any amount of money to watch a game between the worst eleven of the two thousands against the worst eleven of the nineties. I (laughs)
1: think we watched quite a lot of that Gillingham anyway. I think that Gillingham. Yeah, exactly. I think even now,
3: (laughs) even now with the lack of football on, I don't think I,
1: I don't even that would tempt me. (laughs) Absolutely, they're not not showing. They're not showing it
2: it live on TV. They've chosen the ashes instead. I was going to say. I was just going to say that. I mean, if by some bizarre fluke of nut nut casery, they'd actually filmed any of that stuff back then, um, it's certainly not something I'll be tuning in to watch even now with (laughs) um, years of lockdown. I I wouldn't do that. My dad
1: mentioned (laughs) the other day that he'd seen reference to um, Sudbury Football Club, which took me back to that game I was seeing. In the last year at the Goldstone, I think it was, and uh, which yeah. I way to Sudbury. And I was trying to find somehow find the teams from that game, but it, it wasn't available online. What I did see was that some advertising for a while ago on Northstand chat, someone had a video of the game, it looked like. Oh, wow. <laughs> what? <laughs> a, make that, and B, purchase it. It's beyond me, but they were offering for pound fifty, which didn't seem a great deal. That's yeah. some kind
2: of completed somewhere, isn't it? <laughs> yes, that's nuts. <not. laughs> that is that, nuts. That is crazy stuff, but, uh well, yeah. i like, a programme from it as well. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm all for looking back through the archives and seeing things for nostalgic reasons, good and bad, but I, I think there's a limit to that. Yeah, well. there is a limit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's a public
3: health issue, isn't there, at some point, we just think.
2: <laughs> Why <laughs> no. recorded it, to be honest, let alone... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I used to have a load of stuff I videoed back in the day on sort of local news because the 90s was a weird decade for me. I didn't really go to games as frequently as I have done in previous times before or since because um, I was working on Saturdays a lot. I was at uni for three years college uh, weekend jobs all sorts, so it's a bit of a, like a patchy record for me, but what I do remember doing is being in Southampton, where we were still in the same TV region and having a load of stuff unfolding in the war years or the beginning of that horrible period, and recording all the footage because we were getting far more attention than we usually did on southern t- yeah what, what, what was it called Southeast today or yeah, tonight or whatever it was yeah, yeah which was basically Hampshire tonight wasn 't it really with yeah pretty much yeah. <laughs> But, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting chatting about that one later on, guys, isn't it? Um, there's been, been quite a bit in the news, isn't there? I mean, started. we had the last podcast on Sunday when I spoke to Amir, uh, which I really enjoyed. That was great having you on, Amir, if you're listening. Um, but we've had quite a bit going on. I think it started on Sunday with West Brom's CEO announcing he'll be taking a 100% pay cut for the duration of the lockdown. I'm not sure if anyone else has done that so far uh, to that extent. Other um, senior management following suit to some degree. Um, we then have Wayne Rooney, didn't we, criticising the pressure that had been put on the Premier League players in relation to that row between Knight and Hancock and Neville and Townsend and so on, um, which was interesting. And obviously a lot's gone on since in terms of player announcements. Um, and, well, I mean, the one good thing was that there was a bit of positive news about James McLean. Did you hear that? Um, he's donating some personal protective equipment to health workers in his home city, Derry. So there we go. At least he's done something decent there.
1: He's probably someone who needs a bit of, like, protection from, like, the rabid crowds attacking him, <laughs>
2: like, a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, the main stuff was, obviously, like, there's been, there's been a lot of talk about what the players are going to do. Um, we've had an announcement haven't we i mean they they've not agreed on the 30% that was being proposed um for across the board pay cut but they've introduced something what was it called again players together wasn't
3: it yeah something like that isn't it
2: yeah so what's all that about guys any idea
3: i mean i think it's them them basically organising to divert funds to the nhs and to nhs charities and other organisations that are associated with with what's going on at the moment.
2: Hmm. Yeah.
3: It's Possibly... difficult. I mean, I find as it is, obviously it's admirable that they're giving, that they're, you know, they're diverting, they're diverting a, you know, a good, good chunk of revenue towards that. It's sort of, you've got the, you've got the club angle on the other side, which is it doesn't necessarily help the clubs as a whole, which is the other, I know, which is the sort of slightly, obviously not as serious as, you know, trying to keep, people alive in the nhs but you know from a footballing point of view it's we are running the risk of a lot of clubs even at premier league level being really deep in in financial trouble and you know diverting income from the players to the nhs is an absolutely brilliant thing i'm not knocking that at all but on the other hand um it doesn't necessarily help to alleviate the financial issues that clubs are facing that's Mm. me playing devil's advocate slightly um but yeah, that's, that's, those are my thoughts on it.
1: Yeah, I'm hoping that they'll do both. So they will take the paper yeah. and to that, and then also, as a separate thing, donate what they, they feel yeah. they like. Um... I
3: know Paul, Paul Barber's mentioned that a lot of the Albion players have already done th- and things off their own back, you know, donating to the NHS and various other bits and pieces. And I'm sure players and lots of other Premier League clubs have done that. And he made the point that this was, wasn't something that the club had, had organised or pushed them to do. They'd all done it you know, sort of, I don't know if, if, a, you know, I don't know if a senior player has organised it or, or what, but the club is, it isn't an official thing that the club have have organised. So I imagine players have already done yeah. quite a lot of that sort of thing already.
1: And a lot of hmm. players will want to do things back home maybe as well, rather than necessarily...
3: Yeah, absolutely.
1: They'll, they'll have family in, you know, where, from, from, where, from where they're from and want to kind of support that area maybe rather than...
3: Yeah, I mean, I saw
1: Pep Guardiola
3: gave a million euros, I think. To support um, in Catalonia, to support the effort there. So exactly, and obviously, he. I think he lost. He lost his mother this week. I think he to coronavirus. Very he did, sadly.
2: yeah. Yeah, that's um,
3: but yeah, I think you're right, Pete. There are there are going to be players. I guess some of the Italian players will probably want to want to push some money towards Italy, and I guess some of the French players as well. Similarly, mm. um, I think you know. I don't think anyone's. I've not seen any suggestions really that players. This week aren't really, you know, dragging their weight. I think it's just more that there just seems to be different opinions about how best, you know, the financial stuff should be handled, and it's very difficult, you know. That's it's, it's an, often an impossible choice, isn't it, really? Because yeah. if you it's, give it's, money yeah. to the, you know, if you give money to the NHS, someone's going to be upset that you've not taken a pay cut, you've not given money to somebody
1: else. So there's no obvious there's no yeah. answer, but I think it has to be said for football players and. Fans alike and everyone. If clubs don't survive this whole experience, the episode, this whole whatever, whatever you want to call it, then there won't be any place players to hire them. So they have to probably look at, you know, pay yeah, exactly at all. Levels, they have to. Although obviously at lower levels they much less able to afford it. But in a way, the club needs it much more. So it's a, it's a yeah. That and that was my point. I was trying to be. I wasn't trying to be sort of being sensitive about it. I was just
3: yeah. It was more exactly that the clubs. We are in a situation where a lot of clubs. You know, if if this if this carries on, you know, into into the start of next year or or even beyond, there's going to be a lot of clubs. I mean, I think if it was to carry on into the beginning of next year and beyond, you'd be looking at the majority of clubs, probably below the championship, not being in existence in the EFL. Well,
1: I agree, and even the Premier League ones must be in danger. Yeah, if into that file. Certainly, without any income, you know, you're relying basically on. You know, kind of your own is just to hold it together, keep it. Yeah,
3: because I mean, the the TV bubble has has essentially burst in that no one is paying, or very few people are now paying to subscribe to Sky or BT at the moment, because obviously they, those providers have allowed people to freeze their, you know, to freeze their contracts. So the Mm. the bubble has temporarily burst in that there is no money coming in from the TV companies, and there isn't going to be any money coming in from the TV companies until we have a resumption of, of football, I would guess.
2: Yeah, I think in French TV, I think they've, they've obviously they've, they've pulled funding for the time being until the season resumes. But um, I think they haven't made payments. They're actually due already to clubs over yeah, there. Yeah, this has
3: gone bust. Well, t- in effect, yeah. it's gone bust.
2: Yeah. So it's difficult.
3: I mean, that's, that's the whole thing. But, I mean, the fact that you're suddenly, all of your revenue streams have dried up. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we you know we reference for the EFL clubs and and below the fact that match day revenue has obviously stopped totally, hmm. and the fact that you're you've lost your TV money as well, yeah. So there is no there is no money coming in.
2: Yeah, and, I and you're still the... paying
3: out millions. You know, you're still paying out you know several million quid a month.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, even just maintenance of buildings and all that sort of stuff, all yep. of that up alone, just let alone all the staffing costs and other other things. Um, it's, it's tough, isn't it? And they said Brighton may lose, was it £29.7 yeah. Million over... Yeah, we'd have, to, we'd have
3: to
1: hand that back as well.
3: If we write off the
2: season, that is, no, yeah. Yeah, yeah we'd have in
1: to... In we a position where we're owned by a fan and I don't see any way that, you know, Tony, Tony Bloom, I assume, will cover it because... You know, it's kind of. Yeah, he, that's just what he does. Exactly. <laughs> he's done it for so many years anyway, and he, he's done so much for the club, there's no way he's going to let it, anything happen to him. I mean, I suppose the other,
3: the other, the, the, the slightly sort of, not worrying, but the slightly sort of negative side of that is I suppose we don't necessarily know what impact this situation is having on his other business interests.
2: Mm-hmm. And True. And
3: how much money he's necessarily going to have. I mean, I'm not suggesting that he's in danger of, you know, being in in severe financial trouble himself, but we don't know, again because it's quite mysterious, you know exactly what, you know the extent of all of his businesses and what they do. We just know that there are quite a lot of them, but we don't know, you know, what impact is the the crisis going to have on that? How much money, you know, he's potentially you he might might lose from, from what else is going on? So I think it's, I think even I don't think any Premier League club beyond probably. Man United, Man City. I mean, I'm talking the big kind of commercial giants that probably will still keep bringing in money somehow, just because they're so vast. Beyond that, I mean, I think every Premier League club. If this, you know, the, the maximum they say this could continue would be 18 months, seemingly hmm. until the, it, the, the, you know until we get a vaccine. That could be that could be 18 months. Let's take that as the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. If this was to go on for 18 months, I would say most Premier League clubs would probably go to the wall as well. Yeah, absolutely.
2: That is a long time without getting any, any revenue of any yeah. particular um, oh, and
3: yeah. I mean,
2: I don't think it's going to... I mean, that's, that's
3: just what's been quoted as, inverted commas, the worst case. I don't it, yeah. think necessarily it's... I think there would probably be some sort of resumption Behind closed doors, before then, which would then facilitate TV money coming in, yeah. potentially even more TV money because obviously everyone would subscribe because you'd have no other way of watching the games.
1: Hmm. But if it, if it technically if it lasted that long, Premier League clubs could be the almost the first to go in a way because they've got the biggest expenditure by miles, and that's yeah. cut by this huge TV deal that won't be in existence. So yeah, so I think that's why pro- they'll be pushing for, but they'll be pushing for games. I'd
3: imagine behind the scenes they'll be pushing for games to be played behind closed doors just yeah. simply so they can get
1: the T V deal, you know, back up and running.
2: Because you yeah i mean the
1: the t- get... that that's gone for lower league clubs will really struggle with behind closed doors because they won't get the crowd yeah. and that's where they get Exactly. There's kind of... no yeah. point them playing it behind
3: closed yeah. doors
2: really. Especially with such a deluge of games that'll be played all kind of on staggered timing. I mean they? they were
3: saying they were trying to they were trying to finish they reckon they could finish the EFL season in fifty six days or something. Think, but a lot yeah, of the clubs, base, have, clubs, clubs have got like 10 I think in the championship clubs have got 10 or 11 games left. Yeah. So then you're yeah. looking at a game every, you're looking at a game every, yeah, you're looking at playing three games a week,
1: really. I mean, not played for four or five, four months, potentially five months at that point.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, I mean it's that's difficult. what the non-leagues are like, isn't it, sometimes?
3: Three games yeah, at- yeah, Barnet,
1: I mean, Barnet had loads of games called off, so they'd be, like, in, in real trouble in that sense. What, what, what confused me, I don't know how, in some cases, they can play behind closed doors in some grounds, because there are some grounds that are really easy to, you know, it's not like, in closed grounds like the Amex, it's fine, you just shut everything off, and, but there are some grounds where I'm sure people will try and break into while there'll be games on or whatever. Well, that was the other, that was the other thing that we, we, we spoke about a couple of weeks ago on, what, on the WhatsApp
3: group, was that even if you play games behind closed doors, you're going to have potentially large groups of fans just turning up to be outside the ground and congregate together.
2: Yeah. It would have to be at an unclosed location, I think, really, when it comes to things like Liverpool. Well, they say they were thinking
3: about it doing... They were thinking about doing it, like, in the Midlands. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, like, congregating all clubs in the Midlands and essentially almost playing the games at training grounds. Hmm. Yeah. Where there's there's no public access, really.
2: Because anything that involves winning a title... Um, qualifying for Europe, maybe getting promotion. There's going to be crowds are going to be wanting to get together there, and yeah. wherever they are, even if it's just, that, a that just gathering a the public point. space. Yeah, really means, the
1: point. Liverpool need to win Probably the game to win the title. Liverpool fans not gathering together somewhere. So yeah, maybe- exactly.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, that's the that's the other
3: thing that the point they made, which even if you play it behind closed doors, you still got you're still going to be putting pressure on the NHS because you're still going to have mm-hmm. to have medical support at the grounds. You're still going to have yeah. to have ambulances. You know, if a player gets a broken leg, he's still going to go to hospital and he's yeah. still taking, in theory, he's still taking resources away from the NHS at a time when they might still be, you know, deeply under pressure. Yeah. That's a very good point. There's all, there's all sorts of, of out, so. yeah. And he's still got the police. You obviously you've still got the aspect of if you've got lots of people that are, if they're worried that people are going to turn up outside stadiums, you're still then going to have to have a policing element to it as well which is then taking the police away from potentially policing other, you know, other issues of the social isolation. Mm. So it's I mean, on the crowd with
2: difficulty, really. On, on the crowd-gathering factor, maybe when there's a decisive thing like Liverpool going for a title-winning match, maybe they don't tell you which day it's being played either, so you can't congregate in advance for it. Mm. <laughs>
3: yeah, I mean, I think, obviously, they'd, they'd stagger it. I think they'd have to stagger it so that basically every game would be on TV. Hmm, yeah, I think we talked about this last time. You basically you'd have to have like you'd have to have sort of four or five kicks. I mean, with no crowds, you could start a game at nine in the morning.
2: Yeah, I so guess you so. Could,
3: you could comfortably have like you could actually have probably five, five or six slots throughout the day. So you could hmm. actually have a situation where every single game is is televised. If you're playing, if you're staggering games over, and again with no crowds, you could play them on a Monday morning at nine a.m.
2: Yeah, that's true. It could be any time. Couldn't it, really? I mean,
3: people, everyone's at home, aren't they? I mean, if you work yeah. basically, everyone's working from home.
2: Yeah, you can have reruns as well for anyone that does yeah. work as well. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So I think mm. that's that would be the way
2: they have to. That would be the only way they could offset the TV. Yeah.
3: Situation well, I mean, would be to make it that every game's on basically.
2: We talked about the coronavirus being an unprecedented situation, but I mean, what's going to happen here on in, and when we do finally get football again, is also going to be in itself a very unprecedented situation. This is going to feel pretty surreal, isn't it, when this all restarts? Um, even if it just goes back to normal as and when it's possible to do so, that's going to feel weird in its own right. But if, if we end up with one of these behind closed door scenarios, that's just going to be very, very weird indeed, isn't it, <laughs> watching football? The, like, uh, I
3: don't know, the other thing is,
2: the longer you leave it, do
3: you find, do you find that some people just drift away from football entirely?
2: Possibly. I mean, people would have learned to get on with doing other things and, and maybe build a greater attachment to other interests that they might have taken on or, or enhanced. The, uh, the things Let's say would... it's 18 months, though. Yeah, I mean, that's... Take 18 months. That's a long time. I mean, I'm inclined to think it'd be the opposite. I'm inclined to think people would come rushing back because they're so starved of it for so long but you just don't know do you I mean maybe some people are drift away and that's certainly possible and um, I think the larger part it will probably just spike people's hunger even more and they'll, they'll probably be even more ravenous when the time comes but but there might be for, for some people maybe yeah
3: maybe they're, they're or are there going to be people that say I don't want to be I don't want to be in large crowds anymore
2: yeah maybe people have got used to the isolation of it not yeah.
3: even that I mean from a until you know Are you going to find people going, actually, you know, I've spent the last 18 months being told to avoid big crowds for health reasons. Mm. Are you going to find a lot of people, you know, people with underlying health conditions? uh, We were hearing there's like 4 million people in the UK with some form of asthma. Mm. That's a heck of a lot of people. Are you going to find – I don't know. It was just a thought I had the other day, which is, you know, is is this kind of thing going to actually change the way that people – want to interact with large
2: groups of people yeah i mean people are certainly going to be reticent aren't they um, for yeah sure. certainly at the beginning that's be. in, in yeah, scenario, I think, certainly,
1: certainly the first few games back there'll be probably lower crowds because people will be some will be desperate to watch and some will be as you say kind of a bit reticent and about yeah. the habit as well i think in a lot of, to a lot of people football's just a habit you know every saturday i go to football it's kind of but yeah it's kind of if you drift off away from that for 18 months if it was to be that then do you, you stop? it can be filled with something else can't it yeah I don't hmm, know
3: in yeah anyway like I say I'm sure Russ a lot of people will come back to it but I think it's certainly not a given that everyone will sort of no. just pick up exactly where they were before
2: yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of um, much more exercised and um, long-haired people walking about, isn't there, for a while as well, so they, yeah. they get into those barber appointments and um, and get back to fattening themselves up in pubs. Um, yeah, but uh, <laughs> it's we wait and see, don't we, on that one? Um, we uh, yeah, I'm just just thinking about um, other information that came out this week. And um, one particular thing caught my eye was. Um, well, actually two things. Belarus is still doing the football, um, vodka and driving tractors apparently solves that one. So maybe we should all just get straight back out there, according to the Belarusian president, um, that is. Are supposed to drive tractors after drinking the vodka? I think so, yeah. I think you have to do them together for safety, really, just to make sure. Um, you know, you don't want, to, don't want to take any chances here. Um, but it's incredible, isn't it? That's the, the premier of the uh, country saying, ah, oh, it's all just a fallacy. It's all just um, well, fake news, basically. He's saying, isn't he? Um, so that was intriguing. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what you think about that, Robin. Um, it's <laughs> isn't it? Just
1: yeah, it's just dangerous, isn't it? That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I saw one thing in Belarus today. Did a had, a had a crowd of mannequins or something?
2: <laughs> oh, that's shades of um, the. Uh, uh, what was called the mural at Arsenal's Highbury when they were mm-hmm. rebuilding. That was that was actually the beginning of the Premier League era, I think. They had the mural behind the goal at Highbury. you remember that? Um, sounds a bit like that, but even weirder. Mannequins, really? We are, yeah. Uh, That's a bit virtual odd. Virtual online
1: tickets cut out portraits to mannequins. One Belarusian club have ended up, come up with a new way to fill empty stands during the coronavirus. Mm. Uh, apparently it's Dynamo. As local supporters of Rain champions Dynamo Bresk begin to stay at home. The club are filling their stands with mannequins. Lovely.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, going back to, the, um, going back to the, uh, uh, the mural Arsenal, I was listening to something on one of the podcasts the other day about that. They had it essentially behind the North Bank when they were redeveloping it before eventually planning to move on to a new stadium. And they painted figures on. I don't know if you guys remember this. Mm. There's all these images of a crowd painted onto a huge mural. And apparently what happened was they all just looked like white figures at first. So there was a big fuss about oh, there's no black faces there. So then they went around painting black and brown faces on some of them. Then they were saying there were children, there weren't any children or women there, so they did that. Then they were saying that the children who were standing in between people weren't with people that looked like they could possibly be the parents, <laughs> so the demographics didn't add up. And there was this whole big fuss went on apparently at the time, which uh, went over my head. But uh, early PC stuff going on there by the sounds of it. <laughs> um, I wonder if they're doing the same with the mannequins. I mean. You know, are they all the same colour? It's uh, strange, strange stuff. Um, anyway, that that was that. Uh, there's also been um, United Arab Emirates uh, sacking their Serbian coach, Ivan Jovanovic, I think his name is, uh, before he would played a single game. Um, he was only on a six-month deal to take him to December. Um, so um, apparently there's no other games coming up now anyway, now that the uh, the summer ones have been cancelled. So he's essentially had his contract terminated early Having had absolutely no chance to prove himself at all, so that's quite impressive. Um, <laughs> talk about short-term jobs. I, I think that's up, that's up there, isn't it? Really,
3: that is. Yeah, that's difficult, isn't it? I Obviously, mean, we've had um, oh, Mick well, yeah. McCarthy. We've had Republic of Ireland changing their coach early now, haven't we? As well this week or last week. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because Mick McCarthy was due to hand over to Stephen Kenny. I think it is. Um, yeah, but, he was hmm. due to hand over at the end of Euro twenty twenty, which is obviously yeah. now not happening. So they've just decided. So Mick McCarthy just gets kind of screwed out of a of a tournament, which yeah, is a bit sad for him.
2: Because the qualifier will now take place after the end of his contract anyway, isn't it? Yeah, so it's, exactly that playoff qualifier. Yeah. wouldn't be in his uh, remit now. So yeah, exactly. Bit of a shame for him, but there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and um, there's been some bad news on the um, corona infections front as well. I mean, first of all, there was news that uh, Bernard Gonzalez, the club doctor at League Earn Club Reims, um, has actually died of coronavirus or from coronavirus complications. And of course, over on these shores, we've had a couple of legends of the game. Kenny Leash, albeit he hasn't had any symptoms yet, and Norman Hunter, who's been put into hospital with it, um, both suffering at the moment. So um, you know, a few worrying things they're of a certain age where you you, you do fear for them. I mean, it sounds like Kenny Dogleash is in good health at the moment. He's yeah, that's in... a bit of a strange one. He went into hospital for something else.
3: Yeah. And, well, he and whilst it was, he was basically everyone that gets I think I think everyone that gets admitted to hospital at the moment for anything is being yeah. routinely tested for it. Yeah. And they, yeah. I think they weren't expecting it to come back positive and then it did. But he's yeah, as you say, he's uh, he's got no symptoms at the moment. I but I but make you, make you worry like... that sorry pete you go on
1: what i was gonna say was things like that make you realize how many cases there probably are in the uk of people who've got it and just don't yeah
3: really-
1: exactly i suppose you just worry that whatever
3: inf- i mean whatever you hope that whatever infection he's got doesn't weaken him to the point where he does get symptoms or oh. you know if he does get them they're um they're not very severe hopefully fingers crossed but as you say both at the age i mean both must be in their in their 70s i guess
1: Hunter's mm. a bit older, because he
3: was 66 World Cup, wasn't he? Whereas Dalglish was... Oh, uh, yes, yeah, so he must be... Yeah, Dalgleish must be early 70s, I'd reckon.
2: Yeah. And Hunter must be about 80-ish, I think. In, or early 80s. Yeah. Um,
3: yeah, but as you say, it's, um, it's affecting... And obviously, we've had the Prime Minister in intensive care, haven't we, as well, which is um,
2: yeah, a bit of course, strange. Yeah. Mm. yeah,
3: Kind of affecting everyone, everyone from the top down, really. Kenny Dalglish uh, is 69.
2: Yeah.
3: And Norman Hunter is 76. Hmm. Okay. How, yeah. they must have been pretty young then. In, yeah, he must have been. Yeah.
2: 76.
3: So, 1966 World Cup, he'd have been, he was born in 1943, he'd been
2: 23. Yeah. Yeah. So, he probably didn't, anyway. I can't remember. From footage I've seen, whether he got much involvement actually, maybe he was in just a squad member back then. I'm not sure. Maybe he was in the team. <laughs> uh, just
3: says in the article, it just says he was part of Sir Alf Ramsey's England squad for 1966 and hmm. went on to win 28 caps in total.
2: Actually, oh, that's yeah. just reminded me also Jimmy Greaves from the World Cup squad. He was uh, of course, yeah, Jimmy Greaves as he's well. And obviously, he's not been in great total. health, has he? Yeah, I mean, that's he's, right.
3: had, he's yeah. had out. Has he got Alzheimer's?
2: I think, I think he has. Few, yeah, I think I think it was something some like that. Form,
3: yeah. He'd had a stroke. Or did he have right? a? He'd had a he stroke. He had a stroke, before. didn't he? Yeah.
2: Uh, and, uh, anyway. They think this is an unrelated issue to anything before and isn't COVID related. But then again, you know, you're going into a hospital and you've got underlying health yeah, issues. you don't want to be you, there, do you? Don't want to be there, really, do you? Uh, so no, hope you he, don't. I, yeah,
1: just, it just looked it up. Norman Hunter didn't start the World Cup final. It was Nobby Styles who started that position, of course, in the
2: kind of. Oh yeah, yeah. World. That makes sense, yeah. So there we go. Um, the other news, I suppose, just, just going back in a bit of a circle, but um, I think since the last podcast we did, Liverpool announced they were furloughing staff and then subsequently did a U-turn. Um, <laughs> obviously, it's good they did do the U-turn rather than sticking to their guns. Um, but that came in for a hell of a lot of criticism, didn't it, back at the Quite time?
1: right,
2: as well. Uh, yeah, agreed, because it, it didn't sit well with anyone. And the fact that he was getting, they were getting criticised by ex... Um, legends you could you could call them um, such as TD Harman and um, Jamie Carragher, amongst others um, really speaks volumes i'm glad they changed that back, disappointed to see that other clubs like Spurs and Newcastle are sticking to their guns um but all in all uh, it's, it's a funny scenario isn't it Furlough- it's very on.
3: difficult i mean i think I mean
2: I think the Albion have
3: furloughed Albion in the community staff haven't they
2: they, they have yeah week? technically they're not their direct staff are they? I think I think that's the way it sits. So it's well, not, yeah, I think
3: to uh, be honest, most it's very difficult because on the one hand you should say that it's called or well, it's officially the government business retention scheme, isn't it? I think is its official name. Yeah. I think you should, in theory, you think that should be reserved for you know smaller businesses, less high profile businesses. Yeah. Um, it is a bit difficult. I mean, when you've got play, when you've got staff on salaries of you know six figures a week you Mm. think that to me again i think you know the first step is surely cutting those salaries Mm. before you furlough people Mm. i mean if you're a footballer you're earning 150 grand a week and you're essentially you are not doing anything at the moment Mm. i'm not saying cut their salary to a thousand pounds a week but even if you were to cut their salary in half i mean if you're a footballer, surely as a footballer you'd go well yeah i'm i'm not even training at the moment not let alone not playing matches you are literally sitting at home yeah to, to earn um, such eye-watering
2: amounts of money that's right i mean if you're in an ordinary being furloughed. if you're in an ordinary job and it's not a covid scenario it's an ordinary uh company financial issue a cash flow issue you might get made redundant there might be or due to merging or something you might get made redundant you might be asked to take a pay cut in those scenarios you probably would wouldn't you in the short term you might think Where's this company going? Do I want to think about moving on into the longer term? Um, but you would probably, I think, in normal circumstances, just consider going with the flow, knowing that the company is obviously genuinely struggling. Um, yeah. And I suppose the thing is that football clubs doing this, I just put it's going on to the taxpayer.
3: I mean, we are ultimately going to foot the bill.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Also one thing for, to be devil's advocate slightly here they, they are signed to play 38 games effectively in a season in a league and at the moment yeah. they still will be doing that now whether and next season they'll be playing 38 as well so now I'm not particularly disagreeing I think they probably should take a pay cut but they still technically at the moment will play the same number of games as they would have done yeah it's a fair point it's a fair point yeah just it's just going to be a very weird timing wise uh, at the moment, there still will be the same number of games this season and next season as there would have been otherwise
2: yeah
3: yeah that's but, true
1: yeah I do agree it's that just very
3: it's very it's it. difficult, isn't it because you think yeah i take I take your point else you just think there's clubs that are furloughing people who are on not very much money and yet they're still paying out full whack yeah, obviously know. they're the you know, primary asset, so you would but yeah, I just think if you're earning two hundred grand a week or one hundred and fifty grand a week, and the club says, "Do you mind for the next three months just taking a hundred grand a week instead?" Yeah. Um, I think doing that would, you know, that would secure the jobs yeah. of yeah. probably everyone good. at the at the football club for you know a couple of years, probably.
2: So we're moving on with part two now of the podcast, episode 26, Brighton Rock, um, sponsored by Seagulls Over London and coming to you from various locations up and down the country via a Zoom call. So welcome back to the show, Peter and Robin. How are you both doing? Still all right?
3: Yes, hanging in there.
2: Are you ready for your teams of the 90s? Yeah, Uh,
3: yeah, yeah, I am.
2: The 90s. it's a funny decade for me. In it the is. Albion, but, it's yeah. weird, isn't it? Yeah. And as I was saying in part one, um, I, I have, I'm not, I've got a bit of a flaky uh, recollection of certain parts of the 90s because I wasn't able well, to go to the Yeah. I mean, for me, obviously, as, as we touched on in, in the
3: last episode that I was on, I, I, my first Albion game was only 94. So I've, I've kind of personally lost nearly half the decade not having a, a direct memory of it. Um, and then obviously, the bit that I do remember of the 90s, we were absolutely god-awful for (laughs) almost all of it (laughs) so yeah for the um I have as I've had some conversations with uh with fans of a slightly older generation about the early part of the 90s that I missed out on um just to get a bit of a bit of insight but actually all of the names that were suggested to me were names that I would probably have put down in my best 11 if I was pushed to do it without any help anyway
2: yeah yeah that's good then and Speaking of best and worst, um, should we start with worst in the tradition we have been doing so Yeah, far? I think that's quite, yeah,
1: cool, not it? And pair ourselves up with a better
2: team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, okay, yeah, well, let's start with that then. So, um, unlike the previous episodes, we're just um, condensing this down into worst and best rather than split, subdivided into loan and permanent deals. So, these are worst, they could be on loan, they could be permanent. And the best, the same. So starting with the worst 11s, um, guys, what have you got, first of all, for your goalie and defence?
1: Peter, after you. I got have got a goal? Uh, the goalkeeper I have is Paul McKenna, who played one game, which was my first game at the Goldstone against Middlesbrough, <laughs> and conceded four goals and was absolutely dreadful, which is why I remember him from one game. <laughs> <laughs>
3: that is That is a fair enough memory. I struggled with goalkeepers for worst because... I don't Mm. really, obviously, we had some terrible results, particularly in the Gillingham years, but I don't ever really remember a goalkeeper being absolutely dreadful or absolutely at fault quite often. I just remember, maybe it was the fact that we were just generally, we were just terrible all over the pitch. Um, But I, in the end, I went for Mark Walton.
2: Yeah, I'd I'd gone for Mark Walton because I thought he was. Little insubstantial, he was there with us for two years, so he had enough yeah. of us to, um, to sort of. Uh, it's difficult, I say. It.
3: I don't remember, don't remember, yeah. I think it was just more a sort of general malaise of the fact that we were,
1: yeah, we're, we're not I mean, very you know, good all over the place. The bench if, if it came to it, um, he was for somebody who was six foot four, I remember him being dreadful in the air,
3: yeah, exactly. That was the thing as well, <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was that was like, my yeah.
1: main recollection of him as well.
3: So I don't remember yeah. him having any absolute howlers, but I just remember him being, yeah, just not particularly solid.
1: No, but yeah, I would have put him if it wasn't. The only reason I remember Paul McKenna is it was my first ever game in a Goldstone. Yeah, no,
3: that is, and that is, yeah, that's a very specific memory, isn't it? So yeah, happy, happy either yeah, or, because I say, you know, I struggled. A and,
1: at lower levels, so.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's it. Paul McKenna, I did, I, doing the research, I just see his name, I vaguely recognised it. Um... But I didn't really know if he'd done much at all, uh, and if so, whether whether it was fair to put him in as somebody who just was a forgettable name. But now you've mentioned that, Peter, he's certainly worthy of a place somewhere in the squad, maybe on the bench, I guess. Bench um, yeah,
1: be, yeah, I think maybe uh, you know, playing one or two games, you can just have a bad game. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, would say yeah. So
3: Mark Mark Walton, and then and then uh, McKenna on the bench.
2: Yeah, the the other notable I uh, mentioned is Stuart Kerr. He had a month on loan. Uh, I don't know if he really got managed to get into the team. Um, the other guy we had was Will Packham, who came through the youth ranks. and yeah. um, he spent four years with us. So um, he was around in the early in the early part of the two thousands, I think, as well, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, that's right. He he was there from. I think it was yeah the last couple of years of the decade. I think it was, I mean, um, he was throwing the ball into his own net against Preston in the cup in about his only game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not bad. <laughs> not bad. I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? Because in one game, you said the the other guy, McKenna, conceded four goals against Middlesbrough. But everybody could have a one-off bad game. That's the yeah, only other. Yeah, thing.
3: that was that was the only reason I went for Walton, which was because he was yeah. kind of inconsistent over fifty odd games.
1: Well, yeah, isn't it like uh, Nicky Nicky Rust obviously who was an Albion goalkeeper at that point. He played for Barnet for a couple of games, one of which they lost nine-one at home. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I reckon Barnet fans would probably have him in their worth eleven.
2: Yeah, I mean, he wasn't great, but he was, he was, he was one of those, there was a number of players we had, and we will discuss them more in a moment, I'm sure, um, who were there for about a solid period of five years going through that second half of the decade or, or thereabouts. And, I mean, the, the, well, the other names will come up in a minute but but Nicky Ross was one of those I think he was with us four or five years exactly so uh, you know even yeah if he's this period
3: is the... characterised by a lot of people being around for quite a long time and actually doing very
2: little yeah it speaks, <laughs> it just, it just speaks volumes about everything I think so. yeah but I think anyway. it would be a bit unfair to put Ross in but I'm happy with Walton I was guys suggesting are. putting
1: him in I was saying that yeah for a context Barnett would have put him in yeah yeah, yeah. I'd say,
3: say Walton was the only one I could consider over a long enough period of time that I was <laughs> kind of yeah. doubtful about.
1: Yeah, Rust and Ormerod were both pretty solid for us over that. Yeah,
3: time. I mean, well, see, Ormrod in the Hereford game made a couple of big saves, didn't he? That so, one at the end when
1: the guy... Took the Yeah, key. absolutely. I mean, one... Yeah, and I
3: think there was another save in the second half as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for that game alone, the fact that he, he kind of stood up when it mattered rules him out.
2: Yeah. Mm. Well, um i um, just before we go any further in, into the defenders I should mention that uh, I've had to go with the 3-3-4 three, three, formation uh, this uh,
3: <laughs> unusually for me I've had, I've deviated from my traditional 4-4-2 four, four, and I've gone
1: 4-3-3 three, three. No I've four, got I've got a truly quality 4-4-2 four, four,
3: Oh, oh, okay. We're all You've over got the place for this directions. one.
1: <laughs> I, have, I have reverted
3: for the for the best eleven.
1: I have reverted to four four two, but for this, oh, okay. I, I, yeah, had I, had go, I had to go. 4-3-4. I had to go four three three. I've got an <laughs> inspirational bench as well lined up, so you know. Marvelous. <laughs> so, yeah, I have as
3: well. <laughs> so, yeah. so, do you want to? So, should we go? What did you? What did you say? 3 went three four three
2: yeah on the basis it doesn't bloody matter who we how we line up as yeah well. exactly and Pete, they, what did you
3: well let's see let's see what let's see what defenders we've got and if we've got four that are stand out dreadful or whether we can yeah. get three i don't know
2: well you've got more who are, I mean, your, who, got a, who are your three russ um well i've actually got a um i've got a, a short list of four that's a narrow to three i mean i've got ross mcnally who is a guy i had to look up and um or found when I was looking stuff up, and I don't remember him at all. He seemed to have been with us for a while. Um, didn't I? Don't have no recollection of him whatsoever. Derek Allen, which I'm assuming is not—that's not the guy that ended up being um, some sort club of secretary. Uh, club secretary, is it?
1: No, I don't think so. Um, I think don't think right. it is. I think a
2: Scottish guy, is not he? this player, and he was with us for a while, and I just don't remember him at all. I know my my um, my Albion going habits were patchy but nonetheless that's pretty unimpressive and then the other one was going to be either Stuart Monday or Peter Smith who I mean I love Peter Smith he's a bit of a cult hero but he was gangly and he was all over the place and he was so sporadic and um, he was one of those that was with us for five years um, so he fits the bill but I, I don't know if it's a bit harsh putting him in I would need to, to have seen him a bit more I think in those five years to have made form of full-on judgment but I, I definitely Alan and McNally for me
1: yeah, uh, I am not. Monday because he, I put him in my best team, mainly because oh. I couldn't think of a right-back to put in there because um, I was quite putting players at centre-back and, um, and that goal against Leicester. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah
3: true. I, I have, I've got Derek Allen in mine as well, so I think he can definitely go down on the list.
2: Yeah. What's the yeah. rest of yours, Robin? Uh,
3: I've gone for... I've got Derek Allen, I've got Glenn Thomas in there. Do you remember him?
1: Yep, got oh,
3: yeah, got him. I just remember him having was it Brentford where he had about yeah. it's just an absolutely just all, one of the most awful games of football I've ever seen from anyone.
1: Did he score own goal or something? And
3: yeah, I just like I think it was one of those games where absolutely everything that could have gone wrong went even more wrong than it could have gone.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we had quite a few around that time.
3: Yeah, right. exactly. It was, but yeah, so I've got him. Um, I struggled a bit for the other two. I've gone Paul Sturgis at left back.
2: Ah uh, yeah and another one I didn't really remember I put
1: in John Humphrey at right back I have only really mm. got one the same as you actually have uh, who have you gone for I've gone for Mickey Bennett at right back because he kind of played various roles and I yeah. went to the conclusion that he was a worse than Smith in the end he was one of those I've guys. got I've got Mickey Bennett but he's in my midfield 3 Yeah I think he played right back <laughs> and midfield and uh, yeah pretty badly generally I'm yeah, thinking, As I said, it doesn't really matter how they line up, does it? I <laughs> Just Jamie, talk 11 people out. I remember him being absolutely dreadful when he signed for us at the first Who was that? Him, JB Campbell. Oh, yeah, God. And yeah, I'd he forgotten was, about him. He's he yeah, got him on the bench. He played for like six months, and I think Adam sold him on soon after that, but he was yeah. really dreadful. And, um, I think he needs to be in. Alongside yeah. Glenn Thomas, I've gone for uh, in a competition of one of the worst loanies ever for us. There's a few of them in his team, but Ashley Neal, who was uh, definitely
3: yeah, not- I've got I've got Ashley Neal in my midfield three again because <laughs> <laughs> I remember him start. I remember him. I remember his first game for us. He was in central midfield. That was the only reason I put him in, in midfield, and it was against because obviously he came in from Liverpool, didn't he?
1: Yeah, on loan because obviously all he's... All um, linked to his dad and yeah, you know, everyone was like oh yeah exactly a- all, all that.
3: And I remember him coming in and. He started who was it against? He came in, played, oh, it was Northampton.
1: Oh, that's a 3-0 there. Yeah, on. and he started, he
3: came in, he started, he played. He started in central midfield in that game. Um, and, yeah, we lost. And basically, I remember him, he was just dreadful throughout, and Jimmy Case just kept picking him. Like, I think if he hadn't, if his loan spell, if his loan spell had carried on, he'd have just, continue to pick him even if he was still terrible
2: (laughs) oh this is magnificent isn't it yeah um well i mean i'm happy to have them in i'm this is where my patchiness of the of the knowledge comes in so i'm I'm happy to uh bow to your better yeah i
3: think if we're going to go with i think we can agree so we've got derek allen and glenn thomas definitely in yeah um campbell as well i think needs to be in definitely uh so that's three it depends is there a fourth one that we're convinced enough about
2: well i think i'm I'm gonna try and persuade you to go with my three three four formation here i think
3: (laughs) there let's go i'm happy to i'm happy to stick those three i'm happy to stick with those three at the back on the basis that my other my other two that i'd put in were um i wasn't convinced about them so
2: yeah yeah okay what do you think peter you OK with that?
1: I, I thought it was a little bit harsh on Derek Allen, actually. I thought he was OK, but I'm happy to go with because both of you gone for him. I, mm. uh, I'm happy to go with him.
2: Yeah, OK, all right. Um, midfield, I haven't got an awful lot to offer here. I've got a couple of peripheral names. I'll see what you guys think about. But one I did want to throw in was Graham Atkinson. Uh, March to November, he was with us, of 98. Um, I think he played only a handful of games, mainly... I think there was one... Possibly a cup match, I think, I recall. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm remembering that right or not. Um, or a couple of cup games. Um, and he was pretty awful, I believe, uh, from what I remember, which wasn't much. I think he wasn't really a regular in the team. Um, but that in itself is the damning condemnation. Yeah. Not getting into yeah. a team in that era. Um, exactly. Do you
1: guys
2: pretty do you remember him? Vaguely. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be exactly. I mean, that sets that it all, doesn't it, Ren? Really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, that is, it's not good. What are you guys I know Robin you've mentioned a couple of yours already. Yeah, I said
3: I've got in my three just finished I've got Mickey Bennett, Ashley Neal, and I've got Jason Peake in there as well. I've got yeah. Jason Peake as well. He
1: was yeah, just, a, just yeah, nightmares. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I remember just... them reading up reading up on his sign for Plymouth later, and it was considered a bit of coup that Plymouth got him. I thought, wow, really? It's a clue
3: that we'd managed to find anyone to not <laughs> to to like take him 35
1: up. yards or something like that. Like a really big yeah. strike. And that was literally was... what he did.
3: And that was, it was, that was probably, he was probably trying a Crossfield pass. <laughs> 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 so
1: shall I do mine then? Alongside Jason in yeah. the field, I've got Valar Gislaston, another of our uh, great <laughs> artists <Arsenal laughs> Oh, Ooh, yeah. Awful. Marvellous stuff. Um, well, that's Gillingham, yeah. And then on the wings, I've got Simon Wormel who played a few games in the... Uh, yeah, i thought game. about him. And then Danny Mills, who signed from Barnet one summer and, and was pretty useless as well. So he's the worst mm, yeah. Danny Mills
2: out of two that we know. Um, wow, I yeah. don't know about he, that. Was he, was he as bad at football as Danny Mills is at Punditry? Probably. Probably. <laughs> that That's a damning condemnation, then, if that's the case,
3: Probably yeah. better at Punditry. So do we... So are we going? Th- what's our formation? Are we going? Is it three again?
2: No, three. Do you
3: say? Did you say three, three, four?
2: Oh, I've gone three, three, four. Yeah. Fine.
3: Yeah. Um, I would, if I had to drop one for my three, I'd probably drop Bennett, and I, I would argue strongly for Neil and Peak. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah
1: Peak has to be in there
3: because yeah, actually, Neil just has to be in things. there. Yeah.
1: Um, I like Gislasson alongside him. Yeah, I'm happy with that. The other two were yeah. pretty ordinary for, for the Gillingham years. They could have been worse, so... Yeah.
2: The only other person I, I had on my shortlist, apart from Jason Peake, was um, Andy Olnert. I don't remember much about him. He was with us for a year. Yeah. And he, he seemed to be pretty nondescriptive, um, his he appearances. Was, he was in his mid-20s, so he wasn't a youngster. Yeah, Unlike, he was I think, right, Dennis, but he wasn't, Yeah. He, he, he was, was all right. A, yeah. a world of
1: light in the Gillingham years, which...
2: Yeah. The other name...
3: Yeah, he was all right. Up... I remember him... Or I think he was only there for a season, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. that's right. I think...
2: That's right. Yeah, I remember being... Yeah, he was all right. It's mm-hmm. all right. And the only other one that came up on my end, but I don't really know enough about him, it's a familiar name, but I don't remember the player, it was Denny Mundy. He came up through the East, thanks to or something like that. He's described as a defender forward slash forward, whatever that Yeah, means. he was around for a while. He
1: was quite... He was around he, for he, a while, actually. A bit like Arnott. He wasn't... He wasn't the worst of that lot. He was, yeah. but he wasn't very good. But oh, we, okay. and let's be honest, the for us in those years, wasn't going to be very good. No, true, true.
3: Yeah, I'd say similar. I remember him just being a bit meh about him, but yeah, definitely not not the worst that
2: we No, would, uh, I mean it was just a general catalogue of catalogue of mundanity, wasn't it? that sign? Yeah, it
1: was, and a lot of people coming in for like one season here, one season there, or even won <laughs> or two games for some of them. I was like. <laughs> We yeah. sign one-month contracts or whatever, and then they'd be so bad that we wouldn't even keep them on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. Or if they were yeah. any good, they wouldn't stay with us. <laughs> the, so, the best one of that was it. Do you remember the second season of Gillingham when we signed Amika Jaguar, and he scored like one goal at Barnet and played three games, looked quite good, and then got deported or something? Oh, yes, because <laughs> he didn't have a work permit, did he? Something like that. i forgotten about that. Yeah, yeah he, he
2: was. Quite good yeah, as well.
3: he, he was a. Was he, he was absolutely giant as well, wasn't he? Yeah, he was like six foot six or something, wasn't he? Yeah, he scored a that was, of... Yeah, that was, the, that was the irony. We un, we unearthed a decent player in him. <laughs> 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 that he wasn't even in the country legally.
1: Yeah, yeah. And he, scored, he scored a goal at Barnet in a 1-0 win there. And I got absolutely drenched because I was in the... So I used to go... I got like a membership at Barnet in those days. And I only got in for a pound. So I was out in the open and like and got
2: absolutely drenched. And we won 1-0 somehow. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good job we don't have any problems with work permit issues nowadays, isn't it, boys? Mm. <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs>
2: right. Um, so that's
3: our. So that's our three then.
2: Yeah, so this is looking four, good, then? isn't it? What's your front? Yeah, four? Yeah, I'm going with the front four. I, I'm working on the basis that we may as well try to attack and show willing, despite our guarantee of failure, because you know <laughs> we're dreadful. Yeah, we're anyway. not. Keep, we're not.
3: Well, the the issue in this team is that I can't see any. I can't see anyone who's actually going to get the ball to the front four. <laughs> <laughs> no
2: matter. It'll, can. it'll have absolutely no bearing on their ability to do anything anyway. All no. but...
3: right. so who is your, who's your illustrious four then, Russ?
2: Right, well, I mean, without any shadow of a doubt, we have to have Mark Farrington in there. A man of, of extreme lack of quality, um, absolutely astonishingly bad I, I felt I, I really couldn't stand him I he was awful I don't know what he was doing on the football pitch I wouldn't have had him in my Sunday team he that's how bad I thought he was thought, didn't he? he did yeah, yeah he which did made it worse I'll be yeah. honest I
1: forgot about him I was looking so focusing on the on the, the Gillingham years I forgot about Mark Farrington.
3: yeah yeah I must admit I didn't have he wasn't in my three I have to admit oh, as well but okay. yeah happy that's to be, well I say happy to be reminded of him not
2: happy to be reminded of him but <laughs> in quite, the context of either. this happy to be reminded of him <laughs> that's the thing with with paper players that you've forgotten i'm wondering if this is good or bad that you've forgotten them if you've forgotten them maybe they weren't bad enough I, I don't well know.
3: i'm now going to get immediately angry about things that i'd forgotten about so
1: <laughs> anyway
2: who else uh, well i've gone for Stafford brown um a man with uh the year at the end of the brown that doesn't normally happen um he was another one who was on a one-year contract mm. um very nondescriptive again um he was aged 26 or 27 when he came to us so it wasn't as if he was um you know way behind the ears or anything yeah i mean he was just utterly unremarkable it was just he was just so blandly just there on the pitch um on my bench really- Offered nothing. Well, yeah, on the, on the bench more often, yeah. But he he really, yeah, really did offer nothing at all. Um, the name sounds good, but, hmm, not yeah, game. not great. Um, another one I, I've thrown in for, um, I, I just remember him, but I don't remember anything about him, which I think is a bad sign, Damien Hilton. He was yeah, a I've, got st- I've got yeah, Damien Hilton. He is the worst yeah. player I've
1: ever seen play for Brighton. Yeah
2: agree he is. He is. If he's the one I'm thinking of, then I agree with you. Yeah, because
1: he made a different Barnett away, made his debut there, and I don't think I've ever seen a man impersonate a footballer in in a way that was as bad as he. He was just genuinely couldn't. He just did his first touch was so bad.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he. To be fair, he made he made Craig McAll Smith's first touch look like Ronaldinho. To be honest. Wow, was,
2: that's that's yeah, really, no, really
3: like his his second touch was to retrieve the ball for the throw-in for the other
1: for the opposition. <laughs> <What's he
3: laughs> so we're the,
2: talking talking the, about the, raking thirty-five-yard uh, passes. That's that's his control of yeah. the ball type of, of thing. Was
1: terrible it. players to play for Albin, I think he is the worst I've seen.
2: Yeah, I would wow. agree with that. Which is quite an
1: accolade.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I
3: mean, good. Well, well, in a sense, well done. If you're going to be the more. You that's the best. <laughs> <player>. <laughs> you yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. so that's don't so that be on us, the yeah
3: so it gives us Hilton and Farrington then for two well, yeah I've got
2: that. I'll see if you one well I had and Brown the other one was someone who I don't really remember I, the more you mentioned Hilton now the more I realise that is a guy I was thinking of but um the other one I'm, I've got here is someone I've never heard of, which is why I put him in. Alistair Edwards. He was with us only from 1st of November 89. Sorry, he was with us from 1st of November 89 to the 1st of December 94. So he's with us for five years. From what I could tell, he wasn't on loan anywhere. So he was, he was with us. He's an Aussie. Um, his, his other playing career seems to all be over there. Um, I've literally got no recollection of him no, at all. I have forever. to say,
3: I've never, I, I don't recognize the
2: name. I have to so, say. I, I just thought, you know, for someone to be with us that long and not to, not not to even recognise the name is quite impressive. I think. I mean, it's a little bit like that guy at Chelsea who was he was just picking oh, up a massive contract, yeah, uh, and he he just did nothing at all. He might as well have been in lockdown. Um, yeah, it's, it's that bad. Um, so that that was the other one I had, and I had um, four more on the bench, by the way, uh, just to mention for yeah, later. <laughs> We had a lot of strikers. Well, we had a lot of people that claimed to be strikers. That's who were your? Active. Who did you go for, Pete?
1: So my front two is Damien Hilton, who I think, yeah, has, yeah, uh, Jamie Morley.
3: Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> I had Jamie Morley in my front three with Damien Hilton as well. So I'm happy yeah. to stick Morley in there. The one that I think that you've all missed somehow, who is probably second behind Damien Hilton, is Michael Mahoney Johnson.
1: He's on my bench. A um, man uh-huh.
3: with twelve more letters in his surname than he has professional goals. <laughs>
2: well, I love it. It, it. Yeah, I mean, I saw his name when I was researching, but I didn't remember him at all. Um, I, I also think yeah. it'd be a
1: fair mention of the Fox brothers, who were pretty useless. Yeah, yeah. John Westcott Mor- as well.
2: Yeah, John West,
3: yeah Weston. Yeah, but yeah, I had uh, I had Morley as well. So yeah, I, I mean, based yeah, on the front four, I would go. i have gone. I'd go Hilton. Morally Mahoney Johnson Farrington as my front four probably.
1: Actually,
2: I think yeah. to be honest, Farrington
1: would probably shine in that front four because the others were dreadful at the lowest level, whereas he was dreadful higher up.
3: <laughs> yeah, so he'd probably be the yeah he would be the best of that. But yeah, yeah. that would be my that would be my four because both of the well all four of those at least
2: I have memories of them being yeah. Who are yeah. very good. Well, I had Jamie Morley on the bench. That was one of them. Um, I one slightly disingenuous. I had Lorenzo Pinamonte who actually looked signed like for us. <laughs> he a porn star. He like a porn star indeed. And he signed for us. This is a bit cheeky because he signed for us on December the 17th, 1999. I had to check that. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure if we can count it. If we need to leave someone out, he's the one for that yeah. reason. But he was with us. I mean, he was only with us a couple of months, but he was pretty dreadful. Um, yeah. The other ones I had on the bench, more already I mentioned, David Cameron, who I thought was pretty bad. Um, yeah, it was bad. And, and Martin Lambert, who we signed at the age of 27. He stayed, again, it's one of these that stayed for two years and I've got absolutely re- no recollection of it at all. Yeah. It's only through doing the research that his name came up at all. Um, so he, he was in for that reason. Um, and so that those are the four strikers. But I wanted to have quite a few strikers on the bench on the basis that, um, well, essentially um, the first lot can have a 60-minute run out and those hapless cl- cloggers ineptly give the ball away. So we might as well just get another load in to do the same thing, just freshen it up a bit. Um, give them a run out.
3: Right. So if we're going for a four, what are our thoughts? I've given my four. What would you go, Pete, if you had to pick a four out of, all of I, that lot? I agree lot?
1: with you. I think I've I've no idea who Martin Lambert even is. No, I haven't heard <laughs> of him to be honest.
3: But yeah, yeah, I would say yeah, Hilton,
2: Morley, Mahoney, Johnson, Farrington. If I had to pick four out of that. Yeah, lot. I'm happy with that to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, and my other ones will go on the bench then. Then if that's yeah, okay. them on the bench yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Sounds good. That is a
3: that is a woeful eleven, isn't it? Really.
2: Yeah, I'm proud of that. Yeah. Was... <laughs> and it's I, a, I wonder... it's but it's a, it's also
3: it's it's a it's a delightfully unconventional formation as well, isn't it? It just shows that that was how that was the pool of awful players that we picked from that we've had actually had to
2: deviate from any normal formation as well to do it just. Well, I think, it, I think it's um, really appropriate to highlight the, the, the sheer level of their hapless ineptitude, really. It, it, you know, it, it just seems to fit the bill. But yeah, to be honest, that team is scoring no
3: goals, and with only three in midfield and three at the back, is conceding quite a lot. Uh, yeah. yeah, we're talking doubles. That, worth,
1: that doubles. worst 11 against the worst 11 of the 2000s, whatever. Because I have a feeling, actually, that they'd lose to them quite comfortably. Yeah, I think, I, so. I think
3: so. Yeah, they would. Yeah,
2: they would. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent.
3: Right. Yeah. So that moves us on to the best eleven, then.
2: Yeah, this seemed a bit more clean cut to me. I, I, there's a few bits. As I say, these, yeah, but...
3: it, it did for me once I would sort of validated a few names that I knew from the past in terms of, you know, once I'd actually sort of validated them with people. I've chucked yeah. in a couple that I've put in for, I'll say, more sentimental values, which you'll. You can probably guess, and we'll come on to. But yeah, mm. who did you have in goal, Russ?
2: Um, I went with John Keely. I like good old Keels. So he was um, he was with us for a good while. Um, solid goalkeeper, maybe not the most amazing, but I thought he was he was good and solid, and um, just enjoyed um, seeing a solid goalkeeper in there for a, a good period of time. Um, there's other options there, of course, but uh, I, I thought I'd honour his. His contribution to us. Yeah, Pete?
1: Uh Mark Beanie.
2: Yeah.
3: Oh, I I went Perry Digweed.
1: Yeah, I had him so on the bench. Three, <laughs> three yeah. different ones.
3: Yeah, I've got Ooh, this is tricky. There. We have some good
2: well, goalkeepers at the start of the nineties, that's why. Yeah. Yeah, it was decent. Digweed had come, come through from the previous decade and he was still pretty good. Um not as good but still decent. He's definitely got the most extraordinary name in the football, I think. It's safe yeah. to say. Um it trips off the tongue though. Um, it does. But, um yeah, I mean Beanie was good and obviously the thing with Beanie was he uh well for reasons off the pitch helped the club as well, didn't he? Yeah. Um if with, the sale, with the sale to Leeds, yeah. So um And I
3: suppose John Keely was around he then became he stayed around, didn't he? He was goalkeeping coach for quite a long time. So he's his yeah. connection kinda of carried on for
2: yeah. a while, didn't it? Yeah. Um, um well who did you got did you have anyone on the bench? I had guys on the bench. You had who, sorry? Digweed. Oh, you had Digweed on the bench as well,
3: yeah. Um, it's difficult because they're all good goalkeepers. They're all good goalkeepers. Yeah. Um, probably go.
1: Oh, I don't know.
3: I don't it's know. A actually, this is tough
1: tough Defence, and then we'll come back to that when we've done the defence. Yeah,
3: let's come back to it. Um, I, I yeah. went for a back. I went for a back four yeah. of. Gary Chivers, Steve Gatting, Paul McCarthy and Kerry Mayo.
2: Mm, interesting. OK, well, I I went back four. I went 4-4-2 for this. So I've gone Chivers and Gatting as well. Um, right back, I went for Paul Watson, who um, signed in 99. Again, it's a little disingenuous, perhaps. He only had half a season before the decade changed. But I couldn't think of another right back suitable quality. And I think he's better than other options for me. So I've gone Watson, Chivers, Gatting. And then on the left back role, I was struggling. I mean, in the end, it came down to a couple of stalwarts that we had. We had Keith Dublin and good old Ian Chapman, who was with us for a decade. Oh yeah, of course. Not the yes. greatest players, but they, you know, they were solid-ish in a way. And um, I didn't mind them at all. Um, Kerry Mayo's not a bad shout, I guess, as well. I mean... i say that, he's a slight, that was one of the slightly
3: sentimental ones. Yeah. That, you yeah. know, that he, he kind of played for my... For my kind of personal experience of the Albion, he was the kind of, he was one of the first
1: kind of stalwarts who played through all of the, all yeah. of those years.
2: And Pete, anyway. who did you
1: have? Uh, I went for Stuart Monday at right back, as I said, because I couldn't think of anyone and I thought, well, oh, yeah. that Leicester goal was so good. Uh, I went for Chapman at left back because he was, he was one of the best players, I thought, when I first started watching and, and then Chivers and Gatting at centre half. Oh, yeah. So yeah.
3: Chivers and Gatting, we can say are in. Yeah. I'm happy for Ian Chapman
1: else. to be
3: Ian Chapman to be in as well because it's a decent player. Yeah. So that's three. So it's just agreeing on a right back, really.
1: So we've
2: got McCarthy. No, was it McCarthy? you said the
1: play? Chivers at right
3: back. I'm happy to go with McCarthy. Yeah, well. I pl- To be honest, I had I had Chivers at right back. To be honest, and then I had Gatting I had Gatting and McCarthy in the middle.
2: Yeah,
3: I am happy. Yeah. and then Ian stick Ian Chapman in on the left.
2: Yeah, it's
3: a decent. a okay. yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy with that. That's a, that's a very solid back four, to be honest.
1: Yeah. Sounds so goalkeeper, any, any strong thoughts either way? We go Digweed because Russell
3: and I both had them on the bench. Yeah, Sam, I think, to be honest, I think all three, I think, I think the other two, whichever two we don't put in, both deserve to be on the bench. Yeah. So I think it's, there's nothing really to choose between them.
2: Yeah, yeah, we can go with Digweed. Yeah, happy to go with Digweed, yeah. Okay. But to be honest, Dig- with,
3: that, with that back four, I don't think the goalkeeper's going to have much to do. <laughs> no, no, probably not.
1: they're playing against the worst 11.
3: Yeah, certainly. Yeah. He'll be on a deck chair, <laughs> smoking Cuban cigars. Um, right,
2: so midfield four then. Russ, who have you got? Yeah, I'm wondering if this might be slightly powder puff, but I've gone for um, a four of Alan Kirbishley, John Robinson, Dean Wilkins and Clive Walker. Walker for a bit of width and um, for that little stint he had with us. It wasn't always great, but there was a little purple patch where he, he did a lot of good for us. Wilkins was a silky player, had a bit of elegance and grace and was really good in his time. John Robinson, probably more so with Charlton, who he, I think, played for after us, mm. I think it was. Um, but he was a good player and he could play wider to allow a bit of width to the midfield there. Um, but Alan Kerbyshaw was a really good player, really good player.
3: Um, That's a good, that a good four. I've gone uh, a couple of similarities in there. I've gone George Paris,
2: mm. who I was a huge yeah. fan of. Yeah, um, that was good.
3: Scored that, obviously, that amazing goal against Bristol Roves, I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah. the goalkeeper put it down. But I think he was, at a time when there was not a lot of, when we just weren't very good and a lot of the squad seemed quite flaky, he always seemed to be, he always seemed to be very committed. I think he was captain for a while. I think so. To remember. yeah. Yeah, he just seemed to stand out as someone at the time that was kind of a bit more, seemed to have his head in the game a bit more. Yeah. So I've gone for him. Dean Wilkins, Jeff Minton and Clive Walker were my four.
2: Yeah. Minton's on my bench,
3: just to mention as well. So,
2: yeah.
3: yeah. But similar to you, I mean, happen. Clive Walker just obviously had the quality. Just, I mean, like mm. a lot of wingers, just, you know, a mm. bit inconsistent. But yeah. what about
1: you, Pete? I've gone for three names that have been mentioned already. I've gone for Minton and Wilkins in midfield and Walker on the left. And um, purely sentimental reasons, I stuck Stuart Store on the right wing. Uh, yes. That's so a fair, probably a fair shout. Yeah. He, obviously, that goal
3: and the he's way got to be it. in, really hasn't he? Really, I was trying to find a way to get him in. So I think we can conclude then that Wilkins. So we've all gone for Wilkins, haven't we? And we all have all yeah. gone for Walker. Yeah. So they're in. Kirbishly's a good shout. I'm happy to put him in. Yeah.
2: I'm happy so to then, drop Robinson out because he he, he although he's a good player for us, he wasn't with us as long as we're. Charming. I think Stora. I think Stora's
3: got to be in. I would go Stora,
2: Wilkins, Kirbishly, Walker. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's fine. Yeah, I would have walked um, Storer out before the game to uh, draw in the applause. That's that's how I would have played that one. But um, happy to have Stora in. We yeah. you were
3: we saw you were with did you you were with me when we met him at the Box Park, weren't you, Rush? That's right. Yes, so, indeed. We had a good yeah. chat with him.
2: He's, uh, he's
3: I've met him a couple of times at the Amex as well, and he's always he's still now utterly bemused. That the the fact that basically wherever he goes over the country, there'll be some Albion fan that will recognise (laughs) him and come up and shake his hand for about half an hour,
1: and want to buy him you know every drink in the bar.
3: I think he was a I think he's a teacher
1: now. I think. it's funny because there's like there's players all over the place like that. It's like um so the Carlisle guy Jimmy Glass, but he's like that as well. You know he's like yeah, and he
3: kind of so I mean I suppose for him you know almost so inconsequential isn't it just one you know an act of yeah. you know an act that's basically was over in you know 5
1: seconds basically yeah um, but it's moment. It, really but obviously is renowned for that yeah guy.
3: say that's why he's another sentimental one he's got to be in there really um fine so front 2
2: russ well i couldn't resist there's there's some good players Um, around at the time but I couldn't resist going for Gary Nelson and Johnny Byrne Um, both great strikers Um, both served us well decent amount of time both got a bit of flair about them really knew where the net was Johnny Byrne had more more of the flair Nelson was more of the clinical kind of striker I would say overall but um, both outstanding players for us Um, love watching them play and they were part of my teenage years going to games I think Um, Well, no, that well probably just after the teenage years, wasn't it, actually? But um, probably in my 20s when I was going to games with mates. And happy days, yeah. Really enjoyed it. Pete, who have you got? Uh, I've gone for Burn as well. Um, I've also gone for Mike Small,
1: who was brilliant the first season I watched and uh, scored mm. top scorer by a distance for us. Um, and, and then, sadly, we sold to West Ham, which is part of the reason we went down the next season. Yeah,
2: he was a good player, Mike Small. Decent, yeah. And he wasn't very small either. <laughs>
3: Yeah, um, I went for Burn as well. Yeah, and for purely sentimental reasons, I had to put Robbie Rown out in there because uh, it wouldn't exist if without that goal. So I just had to put him in there. Uh, I, love, I love the sentimentality, Robin. It's coming through in spades. Yeah. I'd say. I mean, all of this would be irrelevant if he hadn't scored, wouldn't it? So, yeah,
2: yeah. I guess so. Say it's another
3: one that was a slight. Obviously not the, probably not the, the best that we've. You know, probably not the amongst the two best
2: that we've had but mm. certainly the two most in, he's in the well I'd definitely be wheeling him out with Reinhardt in um in a, in a pre-match appreciation round of applause from the crowd I think for this match involving this best 11 um yeah uh Reinhardt, yeah not the greatest player obviously but key moments so it depends on how you value those things yeah. I suppose I'd, I'd be pretty gutted if Nelson or Byrne were missing from the He also there. got an
1: equaliser against Cambridge the two games before as well, didn't he? So to get
2: get us a point mm. as well. Yeah, hmm. I mean Nelson. I suppose one thing I would say for Gary Nelson was he he probably did a lot of his better stuff in the, in the late eighties part of his stint with us. So um, maybe in that score, I think I'm not sure when he actually left. In fact, it may have been very early. He was still there the, that's
1: the, the, the playoff season because he scored the first goal I ever saw Albion score. So
2: uh, yeah. definitely yeah. that season. So um, I could possibly could possibly cede that to anybody if uh, if necessary. I'm not sure about ryan to really be in the 11 because
1: um, we've got to go out and win I'm, this I'm game. Happy boys. With Nelson? Um, I think he had dropped a little bit off though because my memory of the first season I watched is Small and Burn maybe and I remember one of his books he, I read in that he was pretty fat head off so pretty pissed off about not playing at Wembley when we played there in a playoff. Yeah, I don't blame him
2: really. That's, they played uh, Small and Burn instead. So. Yeah. Mm. Having said that that's a good lineup, isn't it? Small and Burn. Mm.
3: Yeah. The other- other plasma mentioned who I actually had on the bench was hmm. uh, um, Robert Codner.
2: Yeah, Codner could play midfield. Just
3: because or... he, he was around, I think he was around for quite a long time. I know he could it's... have a mid,
1: midfield or up front, but yeah, I had him. He's the one I anyway. blew hot and cold a lot she one idea. Yeah, the, bench, actually, the ultimate player who blew hot and cold was Kurt Nogan. Couldn't score for yeah. when he first joined, then had a brilliant run where he couldn't stop scoring and then stopped
2: scoring completely after that. Before being, yeah, I had, been, I had him on the bench as an honorary yeah. mention for his purple patch and Codner as well, actually, he was on the bench for his flexibility. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, Kurt Nogan, when he was on fire, he was, he was devastatingly good, wasn't he? Um, in the, con- you know, the confines of the division he was in. I also had um,
1: Gary on the bench for the same reason that Robin had Mayo, you know, kind of he just joined at that end of the decade and was obviously going yeah. to do a lot for us.
2: Yeah, well, my, my initial bench would be Perry Digweed, Nicky Bissett, Jeff Minton, Gary O'Reilly, although of course had Palace connections as well, Codner, Nogan, and then whichever of Dublin and Chapman that wasn't picked, so Dublin. But I'm happy the that only I've other been...
3: the only other player that I've put in just on on the bench that I've forgotten to mention not necessarily up front is just I've put Ian Culverhouse in because cause he had the best Albion
2: chant of all time. Okay, so there we have it. I think we've got our teams of the 90s. Uh, best and worst. And there's some crackers in there, isn't there? And some absolute stinkers. Um, happy with those teams, guys? I'm not sure happy is the right word. <laughs> um,
3: yeah. Ha- well, happy for the best 11, because I think it is actually, it's a pretty It's a pretty decent 11, yeah, actually. A worst 11. Um, yeah, happy in the sense that I think we've managed to unearth the people yeah, for it. The worst but unhappy, worst. if I ever had to, be subjected to watching them play football
2: or even indeed again. thinking about them ever again
3: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. i say there's a couple that i'd forgotten about that i've now been reminded of and that's not massively
2: yeah positively yeah.
3: impacted my life yeah
2: <laughs> so fair <laughs> enough <laughs> okay well that concludes today's episode i'm very glad to have had you aboard again robin for this uh yeah, thank you for, for having me. me it's always a pleasure Excellent. Um, Just quickly, a couple of notices as well. To mention, as we have done before, we're now on iTunes. So if any of you out there are listening um, and want want to go on iTunes, you could rate us. We'd be very appreciative if you could give us a thumbs up. Uh, particularly a five-star review, which would really help boost us up the rankings and get us more noticed and uh, get us more searchable uh, or findable when searched. Um, so we're on Spotify, of course, already. We're also on some other platforms, such as Pocket Casts and others like that. Wherever you find us, please rate us if you can, hit the subscribe button and so on and so forth. We'll be back for another episode in a week or so. In the meantime, stay tuned, enjoy the sunny weather if you can, if you've got any garden space. And take care. Stand or fall up the Albion. Cheers, boys. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Bye.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network. 18 plus.